Welcome to ScrubCast, where we take a closer look at the research happening at Stanford University's Department of Surgery. I'm your host, Rachel Baker. Today we're speaking with Dr. Paige Fox. Dr. Fox is an associate professor in the Division of Plastic Surgery. Welcome to the show, Dr. Fox. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Excited to be here. Well, I always like to start by asking my guests how they chose their specialty. Why plastics? Well, Rachel, I really stumbled on this one. I actually just randomly got assigned plastic surgery when I was a medical student um, at my medical school. Yes. So at my medical school, you got general surgery and then assigned two random specialties. And I got transplant and plastic surgery. Okay. I loved both of them. Um, And here I am as a plastic surgeon. (laughs) I originally um, was going to be an infectious disease doctor. And uh, I just realized the OR was somewhere I loved and I loved the creativity of plastic surgery. And that's how I got here. Totally feel that the OR is my happy place. Well, so you've been leading a movement for a few years now around greening the OR. Are surgeries particularly wasteful? Yes. And I think that it has only gotten worse with time. I think originally surgeons used what was at our disposal And we were good about adapting to doing any procedure with not a lot. Mm -hmm. And and there was always a joke that if you were a good surgeon, you could sort of do it with a knife and a spoon and that was all you needed. And now we are blessed to have tons of amazing technology, instruments, disposables that make surgery easier, better, safer Mm -hmm. for patients which is awesome. But in that there has become this crazy excess of opening everything that we may need for a case for any case. And really, if you look around a room for a big case, you will see that at the beginning, how much stuff is out. And then at the end, how much of that stuff didn't get used. And that's really where we have a chance to make an impact. Cool. So describe one of these cases for the people who don't live in an OR. You're talking about the like metal trays. Sure. Actually, there's two different places to tackle here, Rachel. So I'm glad you asked that question because I think that's often what's confusing. We have the disposable pack, which is a pack of single use items that get used once and then placed in the trash and ultimately end up either in biohazard waste. So waste that needs to be processed or in the landfill. And then the second thing is all the instruments we open for a case. Now the instruments in general, many of them are reusable Mm -hmm. and they're made of metal and they live in a sort of metal uh, box. Mm -hmm. But one thing that's impactful about the number of instruments we use is all of those have to be washed and then sterilized again. And that is where the impact comes in because in the washing, we use tons of water, Mm -hmm. soap, all of those things. And then in the sterilizing, depending on what hospital you're at and what country, it's usually often a version of steam sterilization. Mm -hmm. And again, that's water. water. Got it. Okay. So how do you change up one of these packs? It sounds like an administrative nightmare to be perfectly honest. Well, I learned, I've learned a lot of lessons along the way, Rachel. (laughs) Um, So I, always knew teamwork was important in this. And you have to realize a surgeon is just one person in the operating room, but it's a team of people that operate on a patient. Team sport. 
right? hundred percent of team sport. And that is the people that you see in the operating room and the people that you don't see. So as you said, supply chain, supply chain are the people downstairs who are processing our instruments, purchasing our instruments, you know, everyone along that pathway that actually gets me the instrument I need to do the operation. They are critical and partnering with them has been really important. And they have so many great insights about what makes a difference and what doesn't make a difference. So for example, Rachel, if I take out two retractors Mm -hmm. and we still have the same size box that we need to wash, that doesn't make a difference. If I can cut that box in half and then it's half the instruments to process, half the instruments to sterilize, that makes a difference. Hmm. So talking to them about what makes a difference, what makes an impact is really important. And so I can say that the more I've learned along the way has really been from people outside of what I do, teaching me about what's going on in the background that I didn't know. And partnering with those people has been great. And I think a lot of them also have a lot of great ideas and they're part of the solution. Love it. Well, so and this is seemingly a small change, cutting the tray in half, um, but it's making a big impact. Do you have any data that you can share with us? Sure. So, you know, I think two different um, aspects here. One is, I'll just start with the disposable waste. Mm. So we have modified two different packs for common procedures. And so these are smaller procedures, but they're done a lot of them, you know, a hundred plus a year at our hospital. And we've decreased the waste by two pounds per pack. And while that doesn't sound like a lot right off the bat, that has a big impact because that is decreased shipping costs and shipping impact because every pound costs gas mm-hmm. and weight to get here. And then once we're here, that same waste goes into the landfill and then it costs money to ship that out and costs energy, gas, et cetera. So it turns out actually that the upstream and downstream shipping of our waste is the biggest. So if we mm-hmm. decrease our weight, we make a huge impact. Okay. Like it. And then we've also cut down on the instruments for a number of these cases. And again, gone from one of these larger trays to a smaller tray That allows us to cut down the amount of steam sterilization we need to use. We can now steam sterilize two at one time. So we've actually cut that impact in half. And then we've also saved time and money because people aren't packing. You know, one case we had 80 instruments. Now they're only packing 40 instruments. So now that same person can do the same job twice. And so it has impacts at every level as far as we're not wasting people's time in their job. And we're making our processing more efficient. I love it. I love efficiency and sustainability. So this is for, I think, hand surgeries is is what I read in the study, like carpal tunnel and things. You know, you have an approach that seems to work. How do you bring it to other specialties? Right. So we've actually trialed it in a second specialty. So I did it for hand surgery and we did it at an outpatient um, center that primarily does day surgery. Mm-hmm. And then we moved that into colorectal surgery here at the inpatient site and at uh-huh. one of our um, affiliated hospitals at Tri-Valley. Cool. And so we've been able to show that not only can we do it at multiple institutions, multiple types of places, but we can do it for multiple types of procedures. And I think that's really important. So we have a process that works, but now what it is, is really engaging 
people, as you said, at all levels who want to be part of this, because I think if everyone takes a look at their instruments and everyone takes a look at their disposables in their packs, they're probably going to find some places where they say, you know what? I used that five years ago, but I haven't used that in five years. Mm -hmm. And we could trim some of the excess in all of these places. And so first we're starting with enthusiastic people, (laughs) because I think a lot of people realize that sustainability is important and that we all play a role. And then we hope to expand from there and, you know, just have people kind of catch the fever of (laughs) this is not a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just something we all should do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, start with the early adopters. And then as we know, surgeons are incredibly competitive. So you'll get (laughs) people signing on. (laughs) I hadn't thought about that, Rachel, but I may have a scoreboard. Thank you. (laughs) Who saved the most trash? (laughs) I love it. I think that would be fantastic to just put it up in the OR board. We're going to switch gears a little bit because your research actually doesn't focus solely on sustainability here. You've been doing some really novel work in the area of like biosensors and hydrogel. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So for the biosensor work, I partnered with Jenin Bao in engineering. She's so cool. Yeah, she is incredible um, researcher herself. And it was just really nice to bring together two different disciplines to think about a problem in two different ways. And actually, a lot of this research we carried on before the pandemic. And then during the pandemic, I think one of her PhD students and I were gowned up head to toe and we just had to finish up her project so she could graduate her PhD um, during the pandemic. So we spent a lot of time together. Maybe we were in our own COVID bubble finishing projects on the biosensors. And so that was a really exciting time. We really were able to create something that has huge applications in sensing blood flow changes And we created a number of different ways that the biosensor could work. It could be a temporary biosensor that could be removed. Mm -hmm. It could be one that stayed in place and dissolved away or one that stayed in place and lasted for a long time. And this was all great engineering on their part. And I really enjoyed that collaboration. It was a lot of fun. And I have a meeting with Dr. Bao to talk about our next ideas just coming up in two weeks. So I'm excited to keep moving the project forward. That is super exciting. I can't wait to hear what your next steps are going to be. You actually wear a ton of hats. You are also our Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Residency Program Director. I mean, how do you make all of this work without burning out? Well, it's nice of you to say that it all works. Um, So that's step one. I think step two, at least for me, is that you can't do it all at once. Mm -hmm. So some mornings, maybe I'm focusing on the sustainability work. Maybe sometimes I'm focusing on my job as a program director. And sometimes I'm focusing on my job in my basic science lab. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there are full days and nights that are dedicated to my clinical practice too. So, you know, I sort of separate those things. Obviously there's urgent and emergent things that arise in all those things. People have issues and you've got to deal with them on a short timeline. So the schedule is not always what I planned. Mm -hmm. I think that's the key is really separating those and carving out time for each of those tasks. That's so important. And I really love each of those things. You know, I, I sometimes think, is there something that I should trade out, hand off, let someone else do? But I really enjoy each of those jobs so much. And 
I haven't found one that I, I'm ready to part with. <laughs> makes it easier if you're passionate about something. It's sort of like figure skating, right? It's like you make it look effortless, but you're like actually doing <laughs> like a triple toe loop or something. Yes. Yes. And I would fall flat on my face if I was doing that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we can't all be Olympians. Yes. <laughs> Any advice for all of the prospective residents out there as match 2024 gets underway? I think this is such a hard time. It feels so stressful. Yeah. It's overwhelming. Um, even for me, I'm just so excited and I just can't even imagine where we're going to be in like eight months. Right. And it starts in June. Like you said, eight months, it starts in, you know, June mm -hmm. and it just rides all the way out till March. And it is just a long time a to have that level of anxiety. So I think my advice always for prospective residents is to try to remember to enjoy the ride. Mm -hmm. This is the only time you get to go to other hospitals mm -hmm. and check out how they do other things and meet other residents and just enjoy that. Enjoy being in that other place that you've decided to visit. Enjoy meeting your other sub eyes who someday will be your colleagues. I have people that I remember that I was co-sub eyes with who, you know, today are colleagues um, at other universities around the United States. Mm -hmm. So while it's hard, I think if we just remember that it's a marathon, it's going to be a long time to get to match day. But if we enjoy the ride, it'll be a lot more fun. For sure. I love that idea of it's not school so much, but it's still a, a learning experience and just trying to absorb as much as you can during this time, I think is great advice. I love well, we are just about out of time. So we are going to wrap things up with our two closing questions. Who is a surgeon you admire and why? That is such a tough question because <laughs> I think for me, I have a tiny bit of each surgeon that I know that I admire for a different reason. Mm -hmm. And it's not one surgeon, it's mm -hmm. lots of surgeons. And, and I may admire one person for their surgical skill, another mm -hmm. person for their availability, another person for how they truly care for the patient. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for me to just pick one person because I think so many of my colleagues here at Stanford and my colleagues around the world are just such tremendous surgeons that bring amazing things to our field, be it research, clinical care. I have some people who I admire in sustainability that have really paved the way for the ideas and things that I've done here. So I, I fail to answer that question. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I appreciate the honest answer. Uh, our final question is, what is the best advice you have received in 10 words or less? Show up with a positive attitude. Ooh. Oh, I like it. I like that a lot. Positivity. I'm all about it. I think this is so important because it is not just the show up means a lot of things. Mm -hmm. It's show up for your patients, show up for your colleagues, show up for your family. Mm -hmm. And then it's really important when you do that, that you bring your best self, your best attitude to whatever that situation is. Someone's called you in a bad situation. They need you mm -hmm. as to be there, but they also need you and your positivity. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has just really been such a pleasure. 
Thanks for having me, Rachel. This has been great. Good luck to all our prospective residents out there and welcome to all our interns. Um, and we just are so excited to see people's careers grow. And it's just such an exciting time of the year. And that brings us to the end of another episode. If you like Scrubcast, we hope you'll tell your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Scrubcast is a production of Stanford University's Department of Surgery. Today's episode was produced by Rachel Baker. The music is by Midnight Rounds. And our chair is Dr. Mary Hahn.